Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whenever and wherever you may be listening from. It is Blake Sorensen with another episode of the Inside Leverage Podcast. The off-season antics of the NFL are finally fully underway. You know, we had some cuts, we had some signings, but now we are really getting into the meat of it. We've got some franchise tags, we've got some guys getting cut, we've got some trades, a whole lot of fun stuff to get into. That's pretty much all we're going over in this episode as just a bunch of free agent moves, you know, guys that were cut, franchise tags, a couple trades that were all mixed up in there. We're just going to break down everything that has been happening so far in the NFL this week. If you guys are new here, make sure you guys subscribe if you're watching on YouTube for more awesome NFL content. I'm feeling a little under the weather today, so if my voice sounds a little a little rougher, that is why. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and start off with Rain Dakota Prescott, you know, he signed his extension with the Dallas Cowboys for four years, $160 million. This is probably right around where I think he should have been. And a lot of people are saying that the Dallas Cowboys got absolutely robbed by Dak here. And really, if you think about just normal, just okay, is he the second or third best quarterback in football? No, I don't think he is. I think there's a clear tier that is above him, but I do think he's in that tier too. So I think Dak Prescott is a top 10 quarterback, without a doubt. And that automatically is making me okay with paying him this money, especially over four years. Because who are they going to get that's better? See, that's the thing that I think people fail to realize in this whole, oh, quarterbacks are getting overpaid, this and that. Yes, they are. Because... Who are they going to turn to? Really, Dak Prescott's very consistent. He's very uh, stable, but he also has a lot of upside with him. I don't think we've seen the best football of Dak career yet. And people, I, I say that and some people scoff, but I really don't think we have. So who were the Dallas Cowboys going to go to if it wasn't Dak Prescott? Do they play the free agency game that, that the, the New England Patriots are probably stuck in right now? And if so, what are your options? Jameis Winston? Solid with a high upside, but also high volatility. Fitz Magic, uh, Alex Smith. Uh, there's just a whole bunch of options here that I'm looking at, and I'm not confident. And who knows when you get another quarterback in here again at Dak's caliber? A lot of casual or even intelligent NFL fans who hate Dak Prescott and the Dallas Cowboys, they'll look at Dak and say he's not that good. He's not that good. Okay. So maybe you think that the Dallas Cowboys fans overrate him. And some say that he's like a top five quarterback or whatever. No, he's not that, right? I'm not overrating him. But when are you going to get another guy like this again? That's why these guys in this tier are making that elite money. Because the team cannot go on without them, right? We've been seeing these stats everywhere that from, I want to say, Dak Prescott is the only quarterback from 2016 still on his roster. Right, and it's hard to draft quarterbacks and have them be successful. It's it's a tough shot, right? So, do you really want to play this draft game? Oh, we pick at nine. Let's take Trey Lance, or let's take Mac Jones, or you know, it's just do you really want to get into this game where you have to be searching for a quarterback every year? You have consistency at the most important position in sports, so go ahead and rock with it, okay? And outside of this, I absolutely love how Dallas structured this deal. So. In 2021, his cap hit is going to be 22 million, and in 2022, it's going to be 33 million. And then after that, it goes to that 40 million dollar range and above. 
I love this because it gives them an opportunity to get one of the worst contracts in the NFL and Zeke Elliott off the books. Okay. Uh, you know, maybe you move on from Tyron Smith at that point because he's a little bit older. Maybe Zach Martin is gone at that point because he's a little bit older. You know, maybe you're going to have to dish out an extension to one of those linebackers where you already have with Jalen Smith. You're going to be getting into money problem situations, right? As you kind of already know, Dallas isn't exactly just floating in cap space. So by not having a huge cap hit next year, especially, or is it considered this year, and then it being minimal the year after that, I love it because you get a chance to get guys like Zeke off your books. You get a decision to make about Tyron Tyron Smith. You get a decision to make about Zach Martin if maybe you don't want to pay him top guard money anymore. I really do love how Dallas structured this uh, contract. It gives them some time to figure out how they're going to open up money and just continue to be productive in that department. I gave this one, I graded this an A. Because like I said, I am more bullish on Dak than some people are. And also, you are getting security at a position where if you don't have security you're going to be absolutely screwed look at the chicago bears over the entirety of their franchise i mean if if the bears had dak prescott they're probably giving him 45 50 million dollars a year it's just you got to have consistency at that quarterback spot dak prescott brings that so it was a no-brainer deal in my opinion did they overpay for what he is kind of i think maybe a little bit but like i said who are they going to go to and in a year or two, we're probably looking at this, and Dak is probably like the fourth or fifth highest paid quarterback, which makes a lot of sense. Now, let's look at a franchise tag that kind of surprised me. This one was Marcus Williams getting tagged by the Saints. Um, How are they doing this exactly? I don't exactly know where they're pulling the money out from this. I have no idea at all. So, you know, kudos to the Saints if they're able to figure out how to keep Marcus Williams on this team. But just yeah uh cool that they're securing a good talented player and hopefully looking towards a long-term extension with marcus williams i just don't know how they're doing it i'm very confused as to how you're even allowed to franchise a tag when you're like 60 million dollars in the hole but if they can get their stuff figured out it makes a lot of sense but if they end up losing draft picks or whatever i don't know why has the nfl not punished these guys i have no uh, no idea also i don't know the specifics either so I gave this a C plus just because I'm very confused as to how this is even gonna work, you know. <laughs> but so, but yeah, great job by the Saints for securing a good player, Marcus Williams, solid. Moving on to the team that is having the best offseason by far, in my opinion, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And you may be saying, Blake, who did they get? Uh, they didn't lose two of the most important guys that they had to worry about, right? So they essentially had a choice. We have three guys who were probably gonna be able to keep two. It was between Godwin, it was between Levante David, and it was between Shaq Barrett. Don't get me wrong. I think Shaq Barrett is a good football player. However, one, he ain't worth $20 million a year. He's not an, a top edge rusher in the game. He's just not. Right? Shaq Barrett is a good football player. Don't get me wrong. But when you're in this blitz-heavy Todd Bowles scheme, you're going to get a lot of pressures. You're going to lead the league in pressures. You're going to do stuff like that. I'm not saying Shaq Barrett is a bad football player. I'm not saying... He's not probably one of the like higher-end edge rushers in the game. He's above average. He's good. Very, very good. He ain't worth money that you give to a guy like a Bosa or a Miles Garrett or a Daniel Hunter. He's just not on that level. So 
1,000%, I'm glad they decided to one franchise tag Chris Godwin. Got to work on focusing on getting a long-term extension with him. He's easily the best player on that offense outside of Tom Brady and possibly Tristan Wirfs. Who knows? Um, and signing Levante David to an extension, two years, $25 million. I'm glad that they chose these two guys. I think if we're just looking at it, these are the two better players. Um, Godwin is at the more valuable position. Uh, yes, they're going to lose Shaq Barrett, but they can get uh, an average guy because the, the thing with this edge rusher class is there's or free agency market. There's a lot of solidish guys, but because they're the top of their class, they want to get overpaid, like a Shaq Barrett, like somebody along the lines of Bud Dupree. So really, with all that going on right now, it really does become a problem for getting, you know, that Shaq Barrett guy. But I think that middle tier is going to diminish their value because maybe a top guy gets paid, maybe he doesn't, but the value is going to come down. So like a guy like Kyle Van Noy that I mentioned on a podcast last week, I really do like Kyle Van Noy as a fit to the Buccaneers. He's best off as an edge rusher. We know this. And if you're going to have him in this blitz-heavy scheme, he can benefit from playing with guys like Vita Vea, Nakdama Kinsu, JPP. I think it's going to be overall beneficial. So yes, you're moving on from Shaq Barrett, but I guarantee you you can get a player in here that you're not really going to miss a step with. So I gave this an A-plus on these two two deals right here. Just a spectacular job by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're not going to miss a step. Staying solid, staying sturdy, and carrying over the two more important players out of the three, in my opinion. Now, we see Allen Robinson getting tagged by the Chicago Bears. This was kind of a given. This was coming a mile away. Uh, tag and trade, maybe? Because... Look, if you're the Chicago Bears, yes, I get that you want to keep Allen Robinson. If you don't have a quarterback next year, you're not doing anything, right? It's just not going to happen. You could have the best defense to ever walk on the face of the earth. If you don't have a quarterback, you might go in and make the playoffs and lose in the wild card again. Yeah, I just think it's best for the Bears and Allen Robinson and the team trading for Allen Robinson to figure something out here, right? Maybe they do something where the Bears give him the extension they trade him to the team so that way the Bears have to, to eat the cap hit or whatever along those lines. I don't know how they're going to manage the finances, but I'm, I'm totally down to trade Allen Robinson for the Bears. And I gave this a B plus because I think it's what the Bears need to be looking to do. Allen Robinson's fed up with you guys. You, you tagged him for the second time. That's pretty much a death wish if you're looking to extend a guy long term. And we're going to talk about another guy in a little bit. So the, the second tag thing never goes well if you're looking for a long term extension. So, Allen Robinson's future in the Bears is probably done, 1,000%. So, therefore, I say trade him, get get what you can for him. I, I got to think that a team would be willing to give up a, a late first-round pick or an early second-round pick for Allen Robinson, right? I'm not crazy in thinking that. If they know 1,000%, they're going to be able to extend this guy. So, I think that's pretty good compensation for the Bears on a potential tag and trade. Gave this one a B plus. Now, Taylor Moton, Moton, Moton. Uh, right tackle for the Carolina Panthers was tagged as well. I like this a lot. You know, he's solid. He's a good tackle in this league. He uh, only allowed three sacks in 2020. Overall, he's a very good and a young player, right? He's only 26, and I like this for Carolina because I'm hoping they're going to maybe try to ink a long-term deal. So I think this makes a lot of sense as not necessarily in a situation like with the Bucks and the the – the Saints, where maybe you're franchising, franchise tagging this guy to re-up and get ready for next year again. 
But for the Panthers, I do think this is an opportunity for them to get this franchise tag on him. Um, you know, they're just clearing up a lot of salary to try and trade for Watts right now. But if they are able to ink a long-term deal with Moten after this, I, I think it's overall a pretty good deal for them. I gave this one a B because he's a solid player. Um, and maybe they're just not ready to dish out a contract to him yet. Um, now we go to Dave Gettleman and the New York Giants. Uh, Leonard Williams was tagged by them. And don't get me wrong, Leonard Williams is a very, very solid player in this league. I'd want him on my defense. I think he's a good football player. However, if they're looking for a long-term extension, they're going to overpay the crap out of him. Okay, I mean, they really just are. He's He fits in that 3-4 scheme well, right? He can come off the edge a little bit, come from that 3-tech. So this is a guy that's kind of malleable in the scheme. And right, he played well last year. He, I think he had 11 and a half sacks last year, but he's only had 29 for his whole career. So definitely his most productive season last year with Patrick Graham. So maybe the Giants are thinking, oh, he played his best football with Patrick Graham. He's going to take uh, another step up because he has Patrick Graham for another year. I think that's a little bit of flop thinking. But, I mean, Patrick Graham does just get the best out of every single football player on the field. But if they're looking to sign him to a long-term extension with this tag, I don't love it for the Giants because they're going to overpay this guy, right? Whatever he's asking for is probably going to be an overpay because he's probably going to want to get like edge rusher money when in reality I don't think he's – I think he's better in that three-tech than he is as an edge rusher. So I'm, I'm really wary about this one. Now if they just tag him this one time and then let him walk next year – I guess no harm, no foul, but maybe they should have just let him walk at a comp pick this for next year. I don't know. I gave this one a C- just because, like I said, if they're looking to get this extension, don't love it. Cam Robinson got tagged by the Jaguars. Uh, left tackle. I, I get their thinking. I get what Urban Meyer and company is thinking. We want to keep some continuity in NFL talent on this offensive line, right? Like they have Norwell, they have Linder. They have, well, now they're getting Cam Robinson back for another year. They want to keep some continuity so they're not throwing Trevor Lawrence behind a Cincinnati Bengals offensive line from a year ago. I get that thinking, Urban Meyer. However, I don't know if you would have been just better to let Cam Robinson walk and sign Villanueva, uh, even like Matt Filer. I really don't care, but it wouldn't have been Cam Robinson. Cam Robinson sucks. Uh, 13 sacks allowed over the last two years and 61 hurries. I mean, he's just simply not very good. Again, this is probably just a rental, try and figure out that left tackle spot and we'll give somebody who has played in the NFL that blind spot behind Trevor Lawrence, but I don't like it at all because I don't think he's good. So what are you dishing out? I didn't, I didn't get the tag number on here. I'm sorry, but what are you dishing out anything for to a left tackle who's not very good? It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me whatsoever now we have another one that i'm kind of iffy about right these these last three i've been just kind of crapping on and our last two and now this third one brandon sheriff gets tagged by washington uh i don't love this because there was a rollier extension that happened in the middle of the year and i was kind of saying hey i think this is an opportunity uh, i think they kind of handcuffed themselves to rollier instead of brandon sheriff um which is possible right but then they go out and they tag uh, Brandon Sheriff for the second year in a row. So, like I was saying with Allen Robinson, that second tag is almost a death sentence to sign the guy long term, which sucks for Washington. Uh, 
I don't love it because you're allocating so much funds to this interior offensive line. I think Rolier went for about $10 million a year. Now you got another, I think, uh, my buddy who's a Washington football fan. We were talking $18 million because they, they tagged him last year and it goes up the year after that. So could we potentially see maybe a move to right tackle, although they have Morgan Moses who's probably serviceable there. I get what they're doing, but I don't think that like they're ringing up for a playoff run again is kind of what this feels like. And I get it from Ron Rivera, right? He doesn't want to just roll over and let his team die. But this is a lot of money that you're allocating to this interior offensive line here. That being said, Brendan Sheriff is still a very good football player. So I'm going to give this one a C. Uh, don't hate this much as, as much as the other two. But I, I, it, it just kind of leaves me scratching my head. With You know, I would have much rather have them said, okay, uh, Sheriff, you're fine. You're free to go sign some average guard or even there's some solid guard that you probably probably could have got for about seven million dollars less um and used as much money as you can to to get one of these wide receivers because Corey davis is solid but you're probably gonna have to overpay same thing with galladay same thing with whoever you want to come in here and be be your guy you're probably gonna have to overpay versus a big market and a team that maybe has a quarterback that's still something that washington has to figure out this one, outside of obviously the Godwin and the Levante David transactions together, this one right here is my absolute favorite. It's Marcus May getting tagged by the Jets. I love this. Love this. Love this 1,000% for both sides. One, this gives Marcus May an opportunity to come back. He was very good last year in the absence of Jamal Adams being that guy on the defense. Marcus May gets an opportunity to kind of re-up that. We're going to see, hey, is this guy legit? Is he one of the better safeties in the league? Should we be dishing out top dollar for him? He gets to prove himself this year. And it's only going to get better for him because of the system he plays in. He's going to be playing in that Robert Salas scheme, which is going to be a blast because this is huge for Robert Salas defense. You had to think that he was coming to the Jets and thinking, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff going on. But he had to be thinking, how can I make sure that Marcus May is here next year? Because Jimmy Ward... Jimmy Ward is one of the most valuable and versatile guys on that Shanahan or on that uh, Robert Sala defense that not a lot of people give enough credit for. Jimmy Ward is all over this field. He can play free safety. He can play slot. He can play in the box. Marcus May is the exact same guy. He's just going to wreck the opposing offense, and Robert Sala is going to give him the perfect opportunity to do so. This is absolutely spectacular for both sides. We get to see, hey, Marcus May, are you the stuff? He's going to work his way up to a long-term extension, whether with be with the Jets or in the open free agency market next year. And, you know, Robert Sala gets to sit comfortably and say, I have this guy, a familiar player. Because if you look at if you look at the 49ers to the Jets, there aren't that many similarities in terms of the styles of players and things that you can kind of carry over and be confident in, except for Marcus May. Marcus May is right now probably, I mean, I'm not saying Quinn and Williams isn't good, right? I'm not saying there's not good players on this defense, but the one player that he's kind of used to and knows how to utilize well is a player like Jimmy Ward and now like Marcus May. So I'm super excited for both sides. This by far was the most uh, like co-beneficial one. These guys both benefit tremendously from this, and I, I love it. Justin Simmons getting tagged by the Broncos. Now, Vic Vangio, you know, loves to run his cover two, cover four type of stuff. And that kind of got me thinking about something. And maybe go ahead and drop in the comments your thoughts. Do you think that would almost make safeties a little bit more, um, you could go with a lesser guy, right? If you're running more too high things, you have two guys defending that 
high part of the field. However, if you're running a lot of two instead of a lot of four, those two guys are on islands. So really it depends if you're running more four or more cover two, whether you want to uh, kind of skimp at that safety spot. But I, I digress. Justin Simmons gets tagged by the Broncos again. Another one that is the second tag. Um, so Justin Simmons probably done in Denver long term. And that's kind of the interesting thing about this one. Do you think the Denver Broncos are competing for a playoff spot next year? I don't. Unless, because here's here's their options. Drew Locke just has some insanely spectacular Josh Allen-like jump. Which maybe could happen. I do see some flashes from Drew Locke that I like. But overall, I'm not counting on that happening. Um, James Winston maybe comes in here and plays spectacular. Okay, that's kind of a real possibility, but I've spoken to people who think he's probably staying with the Saints, although where are they getting the money from? Do you fits magic? If he comes, leads them to the playoffs? Don't think so. Uh, you draft a quarterback. Okay, you draft a quarterback. Where did they pick? Nine, eight, nine, ten, somewhere in that range. Trey Lance probably isn't bringing you to the playoffs next year. Mac Jones? I don't think he's bringing you to the playoffs next year, right? Rookie quarterbacks, you don't anticipate on them coming and being Justin Herbert or or RG3 from way back when. You're not anticipating that when you draft a guy, it, a rookie quarterback, right? So nothing shows me that the Broncos are going to have the quarterback situation figured out and be able to compete next year. Because of this, I just don't see the point of tagging Justin Simmons again because now you've just nuked any opportunity of signing a long-term deal. So you don't have that anymore. I just would have rather have seen him either get an extension or just let him walk at this point because, yes, you added another very good player to your, or you're keeping a very good player in your secondary. I just don't see the benefit of it if you're not going to be competing for a playoff spot next year. Just let him walk and, and be on his way. Now we get into some trades. Trent Brown and a seventh was traded to the Patriots for a fifth rounder. Okay, um, it ain't a playmaker, so I hate this deal, 1,000%. This is not what the New England Patriots need. I don't really understand what GM Bill Belichick is doing right now, and I, I say that a lot with a lot of his GM moves. It's just kind of like, yikes. I just don't understand it. I would have sent a seventh, or a fifth. I would have sent a fifth and gotten that seventh back for Tyrell Williams, quite honestly, and he ended up getting cut, and you could have signed him. I just, I really would have rather sent a fifth for Tyrell Williams and Trent Brown. You know, I just would have. Okay. You know, like, that's my main problem with this. You traded for the wrong guy on the Raiders. Right? And for the Raiders, you got a fifth. Okay. I don't, this, this, this is like a lose-lose in my scenario. I guess you got something back for Trent Brown. Um, for the Patriots, like I said, I would have rather traded for, for Tyrell Williams. You need playmakers. You don't need offensive linemen. It's, it's just that simple. It's just that simple. I would not be allocating any draft picks, any anything to the offensive line. Unless Panay Sewell somehow falls to them at, what are they, 16, 15? I'm just taking playmakers. You need playmakers. The offensive line wasn't the problem with this team last year. Cam Newton had no playmakers to work with. Now, I don't think Cam played particularly well, but whatever quarterback is there next year is going to have to play with these crappy playmakers. It's just... And you're probably alienating anybody that even thought of coming here, like a Jameis Winston, who I mentioned last week. Jameis Winston probably doesn't want to come here now at all. 
because yay, I'm getting protected by Trent Brown. Oh, I have nobody to throw to because Nikhil Harry sucks because I don't have a tight end who's legit because my wide receiver too is Demir Bird, who yes, can make a play here or there, but he's inconsistent. It's just absolute just dropping the ball, in my opinion. I graded this one an F. If they would have sent that fifth round pick for Tyrell Williams, I would have been like, okay, I like this. Great move. Isaiah Wilson traded to Miami for a seventh round pick swap. Um, wow. I think the Tennessee Titans have already lost the offseason. They've had a couple, couple guys. They just their first round pick from last year isn't even on their team anymore. That that's one of the worst first round picks in history. Um I don't know if this makes sense for Miami, right? This is an insanely New England Patriot move for Brian Flores, though. Because the the Patriot way back when Bill Belichick was making some legit moves. Uh, you go and you get these established guys with some pedigree, right? Former first-round guys that have off-field issues. You get them into New England. They play well. And then you're like, yeah, I got this guy for a fifth-round pick. Then you let him walk, and you get a comp pick, which ends up going up. So, really, you didn't trade for the guy. You just moved the pick, and you ended up probably moving up a round or two. That is a very New England thing to do for the Miami Dolphins. Is he good, though? You know, that's my thing with Isaiah Wilson. Is he even good? I didn't love him as a prospect coming out of Georgia. Uh, right? Was Isaiah Wilson Georgia? I think he was. But I didn't love him as a prospect. Um, so, yes, you traded for a guy that was a former first-rounder when he should have been. Maybe he was a day-two guy. So, I just... Now, if Miami can figure out and get him to just be okay, right, tackle, then and you sent that for nothing, you literally moved down a couple picks in the seventh round, then I think it's absolutely spectacular for the Dolphins. If you are able to get a guy who's a decent right tackle, I just don't know if Isaiah Wilson is going to be that. Uh, B minus, I guess, because you have the upside of him potentially being a starter. I don't know. I was never huge on the Isaiah Wilson train, so that's kind of my thoughts on that one. Uh, let's get into some cuts here. LaMarcus Joyner was cut, which will save the Raiders $8.7 million. This is huge for any team that needs a safety and maybe doesn't want to go after a guy like, well, now Marcus Williams isn't available. So is Anthony Harris probably the number one free safety in this free agency market? I think he may be. So I think LaMarcus Joyner is definitely a guy who you might want to be targeting because he's not that top guy at the position, but he is a way better free safety than he is anything else. So if you need a free safety, maybe a team like... Maybe the Chargers. I think the Chargers would be an interesting fit because you have Adderley, but you know Brandon Staley's probably going to be wanting to run his too high stuff. So you throw, you know, you could even go Adderley and Joyner and move Derwin James down to almost a slot box player exclusive or run him at that free safety with, with LaMarcus Joyner. Uh, I'm just kind of coming up with potential spots where I see these guys landing. But I do think that, yeah, maybe the Chargers is a good spot. Anywhere, in my opinion, that will use... A solid amount of two high safeties, I think, is a pretty, pretty good fit. What about? Um, just trying to think of some more names. Um, maybe the the Dolphins could use a free safety. I don't know. Yeah, the that the Chargers kind of makes the most sense to me. Carlos Dunlap was cut, which saves the Seattle Seahawks fourteen million dollars. Dunlap, anywhere that needs an edge rusher but probably doesn't want to pay for one of the Shaq Barrett, 20 million type guys, maybe you get Carlos Dunlap on a one-year deal. Malcolm Butler was cut, saving $10.2 million, and Kenny Vaccaro was cut, saving $4 million. 
for the Tennessee Titans. Both of these cuts I thought were, were good, especially Malcolm Butler. Uh, never should have been getting that money in the first place. So, good job. Uh, Kenny Vaccaro maybe has a spot, and Malcolm Butler will, of course, get signed somewhere to be like a depth rotational corner, in my opinion. An interesting one that makes sense there, since they kind of did it with Josh Norman and they ended up being okay with him, is the Buffalo Bills. Maybe they go in and, and try to get the most out of Malcolm Butler there. That could be an interesting one. Adrian Claiborne was cut, saving the Browns $3 million. Don't have much to say there. If you want a veteran rotational edge rusher, then he makes sense. Again, an, another Buffalo place, because I know Buffalo likes to rotate a lot, rotate their D linemen. They could definitely use a boost there. So I, I do like Adrian Claiborne to maybe come on on a one-year, something super cheap for uh, the Buffalo Bills. James Carpenter was cut, saving the Falcons $4 million. Uh, this makes sense, and I think it'll it'll be solid for a team that maybe doesn't have a lot of cap space but would like to attempt to upgrade a guard. Um, one that comes to mind is the Minnesota Vikings. The Minnesota Vikings, we're going to get into them in a second with somebody that they cut. I think they're sitting around like $9 million in cap right now. Um, guard is an obvious need for them. However, you don't want to use the 14th pick on a guard unless it's Quentin Nelson, quite frankly, and there's nobody like that on the interior offensive line in this class. So, how are the Vikings supposed to address that need? I think free agency. But do you want to go with some crazy big contracts for a guy like Joe Thune or maybe even Kevin Zeitler? I don't know how much money he's going to be asking for. I think James Carpenter would actually be a very good fit for the Minnesota Vikings on maybe a one to two year uh, below what the average guards are getting. I think that would be kind of a solid fit there. Is James Carpenter cream of the crop? No. Is he solid and serviceable for the Vikings? I, I, I honestly think he would be. So, John Brown got cut by the Buffalo Bills, and they also cut somebody else, Quentin Jefferson. Uh, I know John Brown because that's the only one I wrote down. Saved them $8 million. I can't remember how much Jefferson added on top of that, but I think it was like another 7-ish. So, overall, I kind of called for this in my Buffalo Bills offseason preview, but I just think now the Bills are going to have to really look at getting a guy who, if you go ahead, and I'll link it in the description, my say, uh, my NFL draft wide receiver rankings. I talked about Deami Brown, who was a John Brown comp, in my opinion. I think the Bills definitely have to start looking at a guy who can take the top off the defense because we've seen Gabriel Davis be solid and be this decent wide receiver three, wide receiver four. But if I'm the Buffalo Bills, I am definitely looking for a deep threat to take the top off a of defense in the middle rounds. Not necessarily round one. I mean, if there's a guy there, you take him. But and maybe in round three, four, or five, throw some darts and some wide receivers who can maybe come in and fill that deep role that John Brown was supplying. Uh, we get to the Saint Massacre. Um, Saints cut Emmanuel Sanders, Quan Alexander, and Janoris Jenkins, which will free them up a total of $30.3 million. I think they're still in the hole a substantial amount. Um, it's just crazy that they were able to cut these many guys, and they're probably still in the negatives. Just, I don't know how they do it. Um, the Vikings cut left tackle Riley Reef, which will save them $11.8 million, which is almost 12 Don't know why I didn't just round that up. Um, this is good for the Vikings because it shows that they're probably going to move Ezra Cleveland back to left tackle, which is where I think he's better um, and more suited for. And also, I think he has a higher floor and just overall positional value is better to move that guy to left tackle. So I think that's very solid for the Vikings there. You're freeing up a lot of money. Uh, your your second round pick from a year ago is going to be able to slide into the spot where he's more natural at. He didn't play great at guard this past year. So, you know, you're going to have Ezra Cleveland starting at left tackle now, most likely for the Vikings. Um, just got to figure out, one, if he's good. 
which if you're a Vikings fan, I hope he is, and figuring out that guard situation, which maybe you go with a Matt Carpenter or maybe you go with this guy, Kevin Zeitler, who was cut today. He's going to save $12 million for the Giants. Uh, their offense is just their offensive line. Or their offense as a whole is just continuing to look like an absolute mess. I'm kind of a Danny Dimes truther, but right now it's Danny Dimes and Darius Slayton and Andrew Thomas and Matt Pert's future. Yeah, not looking great for the New York Giants right now. Um, were they even in a cap pinch at a point where they had to, you know, move on from Zeitler in order to be okay? Don't exactly know. But, yeah, so Zeitler was cut. Maybe that's a potential spot for a guard-needy team. Like I mentioned earlier, the Vikings. And, excuse me, who else is potentially guard? Maybe the Chargers, since they're moving on from Trey Turner. Maybe the Carolina Panthers could use one of these guys. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else that could use somebody along these lines. Miami Dolphins should definitely be looking at guys like Zeitler and Riley Reef as well. Um, and Reef, Reef and Zeitler are both guys that could contribute on a team still. I think they're solid, but I, I think the cuts were needed because I don't think they should be making as much as they were. Uh, Reef, a fit that really comes to my mind is uh, Washington. I think Washington would be a pretty solid fit for Riley Reef. He's probably going to be cheaper than a top-end guy like like Fisher or Villanueva. Or maybe Reef is one of the top-end guys in this one. I don't know. I don't think Villanueva. So it, it's Trent Williams, then it's probably Eric Fisher, then everybody else after that is kind of in that same group. I would much rather be going after after Riley Reef if I am the Washington football team because then it allows me, like I was saying, my gripe with the, the sheriff thing is now you're losing money that you're probably going to need to overpay on a wide receiver. Again, I would rather be paying about $5 million left at my left tackle spot um, and go after a guy like Corey Davis. Um, Robert Alford was cut, uh, freeing up $7.5 million for the Falcons. Good move there. And then the most surprising one today by far was the cutting of both tackles from the Kansas City Chiefs, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. Uh, Eric Fisher made some sense right he, he just had a, this super large contract and he could get out uh, i think they freed 12 million dollars from that and the rest so only about six million was from mitchell schwartz the schwartz one doesn't make a lot of sense to me if i'm being quite frank maybe he's he's getting up there in age a little bit so maybe they just thought hey we can get out of this contract now it's coming off of a back injury it just doesn't make sense to me because we watched the same super bowl right uh Yes, playmakers didn't help, but Patrick Mahomes was under a lot of duress, and that has to do with the starting tackles being hurt, unless I just misunderstood the sport of football. So, why were both of these guys cut? You have to have a plan, right? And see, that's the one thing where I have hope and faith in Kansas City. I'm assuming, hopefully, they have a plan, and they're not just cutting these guys and saying, we'll rock with somebody that we have on our roster. I'm assuming they have a plan. I'm assuming they're going to get this thing figured out, and there will be two capable tackles starting for the Chiefs next year. The, the, the Fisher one doesn't bother me at all. It makes some sense. Freed up $12 million, and you weren't exactly a cap-free team. The Mitchell Schwartz one, kind of kind of iffy. Maybe he was thinking about retiring or something. I don't know. I, I'm sure Kansas City knows something that we as fans don't, so I'm not really going to be going to crap on them for cutting Schwartz because I think there is definitely something that – made Kansas City make that decision. I think that's going to wrap it up. I think that's pretty much everything that we had to talk about. Um, we just got through those moves super quick. A little bit of a shorter podcast today for you guys. We'll be back here 
on Tuesday with, you know, any other moves that happen, we will be talking about it and discussing it. And I'm also planning on dropping a mock draft on Monday. So make sure you guys go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube STB Sports. If you're listening on podcast, I want to check out the, the YouTube. I suggest that it's a great treat and I am trying to hit 100 subscribers uh, in, as soon as possible. So yeah, uh, if you guys made it all the way to the end, thank you so much. Go ahead and drop in the comments what was the most surprising move that was made over the last couple of days and what so far do you think has been the best move that a team has made, whether it be cut, whether it be trade, whether it be franchise tagging or extending somebody to the deal. Go ahead and drop that below in the comments. It is Blake Sorensen with STB Sports. Peace and love.